0: what's up castaways welcome back to the survivor squad podcast i am your usual host back after the very capable dina and julia took over in the hosting chair for the past few weeks very excited to chat about survivor with the rest of the squad i'm gonna go uh clockwise uh from our zoom record introducing julia meinwald first hello julia
1: hello how are you I'm doing well. I'm drinking a mango turmeric kombucha. Ooh, feels going to sounds... fuel me from my podcasting.
0: Okay. What did you think about this week's episode? You were into it. Uh, give, let's give a little taste of your thoughts.
1: I was into it. I mean, I feel like the merge episode is so exciting. And the episode after the merge episode, it's, you know, it's always going to be a little bit of a, Big a fall in the tension, but I thought it was yeah. a good episode. I liked it.
0: I agree. There was there was definitely a step I rewatched it to to prep, and I kind of was the second time I watched it. I was a little bit like, "Yeah, it's pretty good," or whatever. Uh, we will be back chatting with Julia very quickly. Uh, but next, I want to introduce Dina Zerlin. Is that right, Dina? I'm gonna I'm gonna once again uh, point out that I do not know how to pronounce your name in time for the show to start.
2: Ben, it's like n- kind of learning the tribe names. Like by the time you mm-hmm. learn them, they become irrelevant. I just, right. I should just be known as, you know, Zendaya. It's like Dina. It's like, that's, you know, one name only. And that's what I go by and no one needs to fuss with it. And that's Let's, it.
0: Let me go, Let me pitch this one at you. Dina X.
2: Okay. Yes. I like it. I actually, um, on Facebook, like,
0: mm-hmm. You know, that
2: archaic um, social uh, network of sorts that I use. I, I, you know, there's the period where everyone was changing their last names a little or like exchanging it for their like middle name and Mm -hmm. so on. And so I thought it was really cool by just like switching uh, the first letter of my name, my last name, which is T with an X, but like leaving the rest you know, all the same. So I don't think I was doing much with it. And then people actually thought that my last name does serve with an X. So yeah, let's go with that.
0: Wait, so it's not Dina X. Oh, that's uh, (laughs) a, I'm disappointed now. Uh, But yeah, we're going to pretend that it is because also we get a little bit of a DMX type of a nickname here.
2: (laughs) Yes. Rest in peace though. Rip. Yeah,
0: that's for sure. All right. And Dina, we will chat with you again very soon, but first and finally, everybody's favorite fantasy hockey champion elon dubrovsky my guy how you doing congrats on your big win
3: (laughs) thank you yeah uh you know it's very different now watching survivor as a champion now i can relate more to you know what erica went through now that i see what it's like to win i just want you guys to know that i did put my seatbelt on for the road trip that's going to be this podcast so Uh. i'm hoping that we're not going to crash
0: yeah the car analogy was they all got so excited about it and it was like so uh non commensurate to how exciting it was as a viewer like it was like okay like i get it or whatever but yeah uh,
3: Lindsay was like sometimes you have to know when it's time to take a nap and it's like what are we talking about <laughs> like who cares
1: who especially when her? we've already had pilots versus passengers this is like a really well-established metaphor it's not even new
0: yeah that's a good point too it did make for a good episode title i will say Um, but let's jump right into this recap and, uh, we start the episode back at the Kula Kula tribe post Lydia vote. Is that right? Did I remember this correctly? Yes. Okay.
3: Uh, Mike wasn't in the episode, right? Like the, that tribe name is just something they dropped on us. They were just like, that's the name of the merge tribe. It's Kula Kula. So Mm -hmm. now we know.
0: And now we know. And, uh, Mike welcomes everyone to the merge. And at this point, I was wondering what you guys think. This is a good group. I, I think we'd all agree this like this cast has uh, has grown pretty well throughout the season. I'm wondering of this group, who you would most want to be at the merge with, and who you would least want to be at the merge with. I'm going to throw it to Julia first uh, because I haven't spoken to her in too long.
1: It's been a really long time. I was wondering <laughs> what I could talk. Um,
0: <laughs>
1: who I would most want to be with the merge with in terms of aligned with, or I think
0: like um, who you would most be like. Fine with being like competing against.
1: Because hmm. I feel like, I mean, the players that I'm most enjoying and rooting for, which I guess is not the same as competing with, are probably High and Omer. I feel like those are the two people I'd want to be my number one at the merge, who I was like scheming around with. I feel like. Yeah, and I feel like Marianne feels like a good person to be at the merge with in terms of, I feel like it'd be really fun to double-cross Marianne because (laughs) she is so strategic, but she has so many advantages and there's so many sort of targets already on her.
0: Okay, interesting. Uh, Elon, I feel like you're chomping at the bit.
3: Uh, I don't know the more I think about it I feel like the person that I would love to be there with is Tori I just feel like I I feel like I could work with her so well I would compliment her I would say how amazing I think she's playing and how no one is respecting her as much as they should like I feel like I'd be so good at just sucking up to her and and she would eat it up but I guess it's at the same time maybe not a great ally because if everyone else hates her then what what good is it doing me (laughs) to have her like me. But I feel like those, the type people like that. I was like Roy seems like someone I could. I feel like I'm good at sucking up to people. I think that would be my best skill on Survivor. So the types of people who eat that stuff up, those would be the people I'd want to be with.
2: Can confirm. I hear P or I hear Elon in his uh, work meetings, and lots of that going on.
0: <laughs> the com- the complimenting.
2: Yeah, the stroking and like, oh, we're so lucky to have you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> elon is this true are you are you over uh stroking egos or is it like is it a very strategic version of this
3: hey my work team just happens to be a very strong team that we're very lucky to have all the people on the team clearly and that's what you got to say to people otherwise <laughs> they might jump ship right okay
0: all right. is our
1: entire friendship a lie i feel like i'm one of the people that gobbles up compliments <laughs> me too
0: elon got me in here just by saying nice stuff about me until i uh I went on a podcast with him Um, so that we are back at Kula Kula Mike is chatting about how Chanel Marianne Tori and Romeo are on the outside and Chanel says she was playing chess and everyone else was playing checkers and it was a huge wake-up call to get my head in the game bit of a pin in this one I think that's an interesting comment given the ending of tonight's episode uh, but I also found it weird that she said she was playing chess and everyone else was playing checkers. Is this like, is this a, an evolution of this expression? Like she was overthinking it or am I overthinking it by suggesting that?
2: I think the breaking news on that is that she admitted to misspeaking. And she in fact meant to say that she was playing checkers while okay. everyone else was playing chess. However, I don't think you're overthinking as Ben, because in my mind, even though everyone was like strategizing, making all these plans that didn't involve her, I feel like the whole time Chanel was playing chess when she could have been playing checkers, like lots of overcomplicated things and doing things that, you know, like giving up her vote, which obviously she didn't mean to do, but like the outcome of that whole uh, kind of frolic with uh, Omer that ends up in them both losing their votes. So, you know, lots of times where it's kind of easy to just say, hey, let's just play it safe or let's be straightforward. Let's not lie. Let's not deceive. And Chanel chooses to kind of go and be a little, a little fancy, a little cute with uh, that stuff. And maybe not always to her in her favor.
0: Yeah, Yeah, that's a great point.
3: I feel like, you know, the compliment of that is like someone like Mike who or actually like the opposite you know like he's not overthinking he's i think he said in the episode that he like does isn't good at calculus or something and so he's going to focus on his other skills and i feel like you know someone like him is just being likable being a like a chill guy and everyone seems to be just drawn to him and he definitely hasn't been thinking about you know throwing extra votes and doing whatever he's just kind of going with the flow and he obviously has done better than Chanel so far
0: yeah and i think tonight's episode we'll get into this a little bit later but mike certainly Um, showed that he has some strategic pull in this game right now. Um, From Chanel, we jump over to Marianne. She is having feelings about being at the bottom. I found this to be very relatable. Um, I feel like it would be so challenging to be out on an island, you know, 10, 15, 20 days in and just feel like I'd have a really hard time not internalizing, especially, you know, given Marianne's history of bullying and, and not fitting in. I felt so bad for Marianne at this point.
1: I do want to qualify my earlier comment that I love Marianne and I don't want anyone to backstab her, even though I mentioned it.
0: <laughs> sure, I, I think Marianne is a very likable character, in my opinion. It's um, it is unfortunate for her that she is on the bottom, but it is a it, this is a weird season so far, and we'll talk a little bit about that dynamic. I think a bit later, um, we hop back over to Mike. Who basically says I'm old AF? He sits to watch Omer perform his prayers. Uh, they have a really sweet chat. I would say uh, this was mentioned a few episodes ago. How it felt like they were uh, the the edit has been inching away from the Jonathan Omer relationship, and I thought that this was a, a continuation of that. We're definitely seeing uh, Omer getting along with more people, um, and I mean. I'm not sure if it was directly after this, but shortly after this, they show Omer basically talking to every single character on the show. Omer got an incredible edit on this, on this episode. It felt like a like it felt like a winner's edit, honestly, for Omer this week.
2: Omer is definitely doing great uh, going into a post-merge without having voted for anyone. And, you know, you're uh, as opposed to, you know, later we'll discuss Drea being, uh, you know, red-handed. Omer is the complete opposite. He's just like a white, pure slate of, you know, friends with everyone he's pulling it off really well but I also got to give it to Mike again like you guys were praising him and I just want to jump in and say like Mike is just so good at being this like empathetic listener he just wants to learn he's like really and he like really wears his heart on his sleeve and he's like being really genuine with people I almost feel like Mike is also a potential like winner contender in my books like he's not pissing off anyone even like him having this like weird beef with Chanel seems kind of (laughs) one-sided like now that you know she's gone there's like really no one out there that there's even you know I'm seeing any issue with that they would have with um with Mike but uh yeah Omer is definitely doing great and I think it's actually interesting what you said Ben in terms of um, kind of zooming away from his relationship with Jonathan. I think it's still very much there, but I think maybe the edit is trying to potentially like underplay it because, uh, like, so far, I feel like those four, even though it seems like, yeah, Marianne is on the bottom and we don't really know what's going on with Lindsay, but I feel like those four are potentially still like linked up and maybe they have stronger allies that they consider closer, but. I can see the four still trying or those who have the power in the game anyway, to kind of keep all the other three safe if they can, as opposed to like the high Lydia situation where high was like, okay, bye Lydia. Sorry.
0: I think that's a really good point. Um, next they hop on over to the reward challenge. Jeff chatting with the camera announces there'll be a beware advantage at the sit out bench. This is a peanut butter and jelly award. Marianne draws the gray rock. She is forced to sit out, but Drea offers to switch. Uh, I wanted to ask you folks, does anyone feel like they'd have done the same in this situation?
3: I feel like, you know, like having seen all these seasons, it was you know, to us as an audience, it seems like obvious that there's going to be an advantage oops, advantage under the, the desk there or the bench. And so it seems like something you want to go for. But I guess, of course, at the same time, I don't know what it's like to be so hungry that I'll be excited about some boring-ass snack like peanut butter and chips. But I guess, you know, it is possible to get hungry enough that that's something that you're willing to, you know, go all out for.
1: I would also worry about the sort of the meta of that, that if people either are going to get mad at you being like, you just switched because you wanted to find the bench advantage, or even people being like, you just switched because you wanted to look so friendly, you're pandering for jury votes.
3: Though, to be fair, also they were split into two teams first, right? Like they all picked the rocks. Everyone saw what team they were on. If I was there, it'd be like, well, every single team challenge that doesn't involve a puzzle, Jonathan's team wins. Uh, So I feel like if you see that you're not on Jonathan's team, what's the point? I'm going to lose anyways. So I might as well try to earn some goodwill. Like Marianne, well, you know, she got to give us a good like scream as she was running to (laughs) jump into the water, which was fun. So hopefully that was worth it for her. But she basically was given nothing from Chanel because it seems like, well, it came close actually because of Omer being pretty clutch at shooting those baskets until the final one when he choked. But yeah, it didn't seem like there was much of a chance that a non-Jonathan team would win that. It was only close because Jonathan didn't uh, try; like he was sitting in the water, and somebody was like, "All right, fine, let me go do it." And then just like switched. <laughs> that,
1: switch. that was one of the funniest parts of the whole episode was Jonathan just being like, oh, "Let me just do this." Yeah. <laughs> Can I just
2: say also about the nature of how this? Um, challenge or the award rather was presented it's kind of like this is probably like the most boring snack I could expect from like survivor to offer like some sad sandwich and like chips which I feel like I don't know when it's hot and it's like kind of salty I don't really get the appeal
3: (laughs) but meanwhile (laughs) did you hear what Mike said about the peanut, it beans.
2: was oozing. It was
3: so he did not skimp <laughs> on that
2: peanut butter. Yeah, and that's very nice and good for protein. But like contrast that with how Jeff was like really underselling. You know the I don't know ten thousand fish that they brought to that Jonathan's tribe like pre-merge. And that's like, a great point. <laughs> Here's a humble offering of some fish, and then meanwhile you know, was like now. A taste of home. And it's like, oh, is it letters? Is it like something really... No, it's peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. It's like, oh, okay.
3: To be fair, that was like accurate. Like that was my lunch, I think, every day (laughs) at school in elementary school was peanut butter sandwich.
0: (laughs) I have a peanut allergy. They do this uh, reward every like couple seasons. And every time I'm just like, there's got to be someone who's just like, you know, I... Justice for the peanut allergy uh, among us. We need representation. That matters. Uh, Survivor, get it on there. Um, Listen,
1: if high can eat shellfish, despite being a vegan, (laughs) I'm sure a few people can suffer anaphylactic shock by eating peanut butter when offered.
0: Yeah, they have EpiPens, I'm sure, on the island. It'd be fine. Um, So Jonathan, basically, as uh, Elon mentions, uh, brings his team back from the brink. Immediately jumps into the water like a merman uh, upon winning. I, I really enjoyed that uh that celebration. And uh, I mean, nothing really to say here. As, as we all know, Jonathan wins every challenge no matter what. And so Jonathan's team wins. We go to the reward. Uh, I don't really have a lot of takeaways here. I was very excited for Tori and Rox uh to be on a, a challenge or on an uh on a reward together. They barely spoke. Uh, really quiet Tory episode overall considering how involved she was like typically a Tory episode has like a scheme or two and even when she does you know uh, find Drea red-handed there's no real it doesn't really lead to a a regular Tory amount of chaos
3: I really hope that like, you know, this does pay off, though. Like, Tori was observant. She saw that Drea had red paint on her hand. She did talk to other people. So, like, maybe it just wasn't relevant for this episode. But maybe, like, in the next episode, she'll be like, you know, Drea's hiding something. I think she's got something going on, and we'll see what happens. Like, this next episode is one of these double eliminations. Like, so it's going to obviously depend on, like, how the tribes are randomly split up into their groups of five and five. But I hope it'll pay off. And I hope the only reason it was a boring Tori episode was because she won immunity because you know if she lost she would be a target cuz she's going to be a target every single time she's available <laughs> to be voted out and that's always a lot of fun.
0: Let's uh let's keep going here and talk about back at camp. Uh I thought this was really funny. Everyone's like actually it's good that we almost won. It was it was really basically like we did win because we almost won. That was like the saddest little scene I thought that <laughs> that I've seen this season even despite Marianne uh this week. Um, Omar talks about how good his setup is because he hasn't voted, uh, post merge. It shows him speaking with every other tribe member, as I mentioned earlier. Um, and then we go to Drea who has this beware advantage. Elon mentioned it before. She has to go to the water. Well, to find it flips over the coconuts, finds one that opens, sticks her hand into that gets covered in red paint, soaks her hand in water, but does not get all of the paint off. And Tori catches, uh, drea basically in a lie asking why she has red all over her hand as if it's blood uh, drea tries to lie it's uh it's kind of an awkward exchange um I'll throw it to Dina or julia here any thoughts on on just the above and, and sort of drea's finding the reward here
2: I will say that i really enjoyed this uh beware advantage whatever that means like not sure what the repercussions were of uh you know what if Dre just like pretended to look but not really hard (laughs) it's like well guess I can't find this you know award uh reward sorry so I thought it was like really fun the way that they designed uh the specific um advantage and um And I think that kudos to Tori, honestly, like I know she gets so much hate and I'm almost like starting to feel bad for her, especially now that she's like clearly on the bottom and like up for elimination, probably like every single uh, week that she's eligible, which she hasn't been yet. So kudos to her, but like, yeah, very observant, like trying to shake things up. And I wonder if maybe, you know, that kind of larger, uh, Alliance of eight, like how long realistically can they all stick together? It just seems like too, too big um, and, and kind of prone to failure, I would think. And so I feel like the people on the bottom, such as Tori, who might also offer like some important intel, might be scooped up at some point.
1: Yeah, I keep trying to think, like, because Tori was so observant. It was so good that, like, you know, she saw, like, you know, the red, but also her, like, shifting with her pants. And, like, I wish there was a way that she could have turned that observation into something that would make them closer. Like, I know your secret, and I'm going to keep it, as opposed to just, like, trying to poke at, you know, like, hey, I see through your lie what's really going on. I don't know what she could have said, but I just wish that, yeah, she would find someone who would – actually be like a trusted ally of
0: hers i think that's a good thought and i it i think it's a bit i think that does speak to the weakness in tori's game though because she did burn that bridge with drea really early on and so you know she has to play the chaos role because she cast herself in that way and and i think that is the shortcoming of of that uh, of gaining that reputation um so after that we learned that Drea has found the knowledge as power advantage that Liana messed up really badly in the last game in one of the more incredible moments of hubris uh in recent survivor seasons. And then Drea, you know, runs through the four advantages that she's found that include an idol. Uh, anyone else watching this get the uh the nerves? watching this person just slowly be like, and I have this and I have the, it just felt like it was leading up. Andrea also, I think was the dominant interviewee on this week. It just felt like they were leading Drea uh, to slaughter a little bit, just the, with the way that she was slowly running through all these advantages. She has.
3: I'm just wondering, like, if you're a player like Drea, like, at what point do you just start using this stuff? Like, you know, like, there's only, well, like, four episodes left in the season. Like, it's going to go by quickly. Like, once you're at the final four, all these things are null and void, right? So there's ten people left. That means there's, like, what, five votes? Like, six votes, maybe? And she's got already four advantages. Two of them are idols. Like, one of them is you, like, just steal the other person's idol so that she could, like, use her idol. Like, I just feel like this week... Like, I feel like it's almost like it's her game to lose, right? Like, if she, like, ends up getting voted out, like, not having used any of this... That would be, to me, like, one of the worst blunders. I'm not saying she's going to do it. I think she's a smart player, and I really hope that she does. not like, I want to see her actually use this stuff. I feel like, like the last few seasons, we've seen a lot of people gain advantages, and then no one ever uses it correctly. You know, last season, like, Nasir got voted out with an idol. I think Shan also got voted out with an idol. Like, I hope that Drea doesn't wait too long. And, like, she's got a huge arsenal at this point. Might as well start, you know, deploying some of this stuff.
1: Yeah, it's sort of interesting to think about about how you make a like quote unquote big move from the center of the majority alliance. Like, what even is the most interesting way for her to use an extra vote if she's already yeah. voting with six other people?
3: It's almost like you got to do one of these. Like, you're giving your idol to someone who is the target to like get out some. You know, like let's say like Jonathan is like you know she uses a, a, a idol to like get Jonathan out. Now she's like the person who slayed Goliath. Like you know you build a narrative around it. Like I feel like. I just want to see her do something cool with it and not just see her like voted out this week in some you know, random tribe of five and she doesn't see it coming and then she's voted out with like four things. That'd be so
0: sad. I mean, she said though, at the end of running through all of the advantages that she had, that she, it's really important for her not to use them in a way that she becomes a target. So I, I feel like that exact suggestion, the using it to slay Goliath is actually like antithetical to her entire strategy. It's, It's almost like she has to use it Uh, The way that we've seen other contestants use it in the past to get her allies through more than to to burn uh, to burn giants, I guess. So, actually,
3: a question then: Who are her allies? Like, she's turned on Romeo.
0: Like, I think it's High, right? High seems to be her number one at this point. High mentions.
1: Interesting. And what about Rocks?
0: Oh yeah, him. Was he in that last episode? Yes, and I actually have a note about Rocks that we'll get to in a second. Um, we go from here to immunity. Jeff explains this is going to be a negotiation, uh, just like last year where he says, depending on how many people sit out, I will give everybody a ration of rice. That'll last a few days. Uh, I've generally been okay with the Jeff monologues to the camera the past two years, but this one was for sure the cringiest of the last two seasons. I really hated this one. Uh, anyone else have a strong take on Jeff, uh, talking to the camera?
2: Mostly just like nervous that he's not going to finish saying what he wants to before <laughs> like the people come and then he's like, okay, shut up, shut up. We need to get it started.
0: Yeah. I'm it's curious how much of that is scripted. Like the whole, Oh, but they're, they're right. Come on. It is <laughs> so silly. Uh, yeah. I find that to be one of the funnier developments of the, like the new, the, their current uh, production standpoint. Um, so Jeff explains they'll negotiate Uh, They basically decide that four people will do it. Jeff caves super easily. I thought that that was kind of lame. So four people will sit. Lindsay, Drea, and Marianne all agree to sit. Marianne then begs someone else to sit because of how the group needs them, even though they're safe. Uh, Omer decides that he can do it, which does make sense for him, uh, given the game that he's been talking about this episode. I, I feel like they they really uh, that they made that central to the edit. So that would make sense. Any thoughts on Marianne's uh, basically Marianne after this said they say you can't win by playing with emotion. But I used my emotion here to basically secure the food. Uh, that seemed like a really smart move to me, Julia. What did you think about that?
1: Yeah, I absolutely love that. I hate it when people are hating on emotional players who, you know, 9, nine ten out of ten are women who they're labeling as emotional players. And so I love seeing because, of course, everyone is playing with emotion. Like everyone's being so emotional, and you know, like is Mike like Mike isn't getting labeled as like an emotional player even though he's targeting a Chanel is clearly emotional. But yeah, I thought I loved seeing Marianne weaponize her emotions.
0: Yeah, she's a very relatable character. Uh, A few times this episode where it was like, yeah, I can understand why this would be really frustrating. Um, The challenge is a balance challenge. It seems to go super quickly. Almost everyone drops right away except for Chanel, Tori and Jonathan. Comes down to Tori and Jonathan and Tori wins her second straight immunity challenge. I really felt like this was Tori's kindest edit of the season. Uh, she almost wasn't painted as a villain this episode. Dina, I know you're a big Tori stan. What did you think about her edit this week?
2: I enjoyed it. It was like you mentioned previously like a little more under the radar. So I feel like things are brewing potentially like we want we want to see what happens when she is not immune, which could be this uh, coming uh you know episode because or i guess so two people are going to be immune and there's going to be two eliminations is that how we understood it Correct. Be, i yep. guess
0: that's that's what it said jeff pulls out two immunity idols or two immunity necklaces
3: well if we look at just like last season right they just split them randomly into two groups of 5 there was like nasir's group where he got blindsided by shannon ricard with an idol and then on the other side there was the whole thing with um evie right where like they were trying to get liana voted anyways yeah it was just sort of like two random splits and then each side has one person who wins immunity and then four people like uh, up for elimination
2: yeah so i almost feel like this is doubling tori's chances of winning immunity and she's already so good uh, at winning them so i would put my money on her winning again and i wonder if there's a world where you know all the underdogs just so happen to end up on the same tribe or like voting <laughs> tribe or whatnot like the half uh in, like that division so it would be like tori romeo um well chanel i guess is out
0: marianne
2: marianne and then well,
3: that's enough. That's majority right there. That's three. Right. To two. So that's
2: already majority. And then whoever the other two are, it's like vote one of those out. So I really want to see that happen because I also really feel bad about Romeo. And I'm sure that Ben was just about to segue into that. But I felt like it was incredibly unfair for everyone to label him as paranoid when he was like literally reading the situation as it was. Like oh so crazy how he thinks he's up for elimination when he's is up for elimination like wow like calm down Romeo
0: I actually wasn't gonna say that um, I was gonna say I was gonna say that he gets freaked out watching Chanel chill out that causes him to start to panic I guess I didn't really feel one way or the other about that like I get it from his perspective certainly why you would be nervous. I get it from a uh, highest perspective why he'd be irritated because he felt like he kind of had things locked in and it can be annoying. Like it can just be a, f- it can be freaky watching people start to scramble and not being sure if you're losing control. Um, but yeah, I- actually give me a second to get there. Uh, Cause we'll say before we go to the commercial there, Drea says since Tory won, it's now between the three we mentioned Chanel, Marianne, Romeo, um, High says they're targeting Chanel because she's been sketchy to Mike, but they tell Marianne and Chanel that it's Romeo, which I think really comes back later watching Marianne's reaction to the votes being read, which was interesting. Uh, Dina, as you mentioned, Romeo gets a little bit nervous, a little paranoid here um, and starts to panic. He hears from Tori and Roxroy that Romeo's name is out there, uh, but he tells Omer whose presence as an outside appearing player basically blows up his ability to to switch anything up right like omer is in such an interesting place here and that's the one where that's the character who i feel like is um is the best set up at this moment it's hard to watch this game and not feel like omer isn't you know currently set up the best way elon
3: you love Omer. You've already said he you, you gave you the winner's edit. It seems like you want to lock it in. We should do like a pool right now of who's going to win. And I think Ben is going to quit if he doesn't get Omer. But like... <laughs>
0: I just it just I thought this episode and the last these last two episodes have really done a lot to he like he just has been like the lead character or whatever
3: but I guess yeah to respond to what you said I just kind of feel like he's given himself a lot of options right so now it's just a matter of him execute like it's one thing like he set himself up well I agree with you now he needs to execute and like pick which option he wants to go with and decide when is it time to you know either flip on the big group or he could decide to just stick with the big group and you know continue to vote at the smaller group like I'll be really excited for someone to like you know, make the first move, like, in this chess game, I guess we're still waiting on someone to, like, make that first, like, exciting move as opposed to just voting out one of the people at the bottom.
1: Do we feel like Marianne could be the one to make that first move? She's on the outs. She has all these advantages. She has enough close relationships with her taco, taco people that, like, maybe she could get in there.
3: Well, I guess the thing is, she's kind of, like... I don't know if she could do it on her own because she's on the bottom, right? Like she's one of the three people that's like the loser side. So it's like the cool kids, like not the cool kids. I forgot what did she call I guess she just said the others are the cool kids. I don't know what she called herself, but like she needs one of the cool kids. I think one of them needs to also be a catalyst of like deciding that something should happen. I love how like while we're having this conversation we're also having a side conversation in the Zoom chat trying to figure (laughs) out the math the probability and it's uh, this is like probably what tribal council is like Oh, for people listening we're trying to figure out the probabilities that all three of those people on the bottom will actually end up on the same tribe this week but it's like uh, probably in tribal council you know Jeff is like asking all these boring dumb questions and at the same time you're trying to actually like be paying attention and trying to read people and decide who's going to get voted out sometimes it's like a live tribal but also there's still someone randomly talking about you know how like are you driving in the front seat or are you driving (laughs) the back seat on the road trip and so this is what it's probably like right now we're in a live uh, podcast episode right now
0: and my cat has come over to help us with the math so hopefully we can figure that out together I'll put our our best feline scientist onto the case um yeah so I think that uh Dina to the point you made earlier about Romeo um being sort of cast as the uh the paranoid one I got the sense from a from watching um that it was more so just because everyone is hyper paranoid and people on the bottom are it's just easier to pick on them but I can certainly see the point that you're making because like the edit was oh look at Romeo who is freaking out even though like we have the omnipotent view and we know that he's not on the chopping block here
2: yeah I felt like it was really unfair and in fact even though I'm normally a pretty big high fan I felt like he was kind of becoming a little drunk on power and like lot, doing lots of like eye rolls and lots of like, oh, already with this Romeo person. And it's kind of like, bro, you have all the power. Like you don't get to be annoyed at the people on the bottom, like trying or not even trying to do anything, but like kind of asking questions and like, you know, yeah, not He was sure talking to the-
3: people. <laughs> like, it was very annoying how he went to talk to people.
2: <laughs> I just feel like yeah, talking to people is really annoying, but <laughs> also I feel like obviously High and any other semi-savvy player would do the exact same. So I really don't like uh kind of the way that High sometimes has his like little indignant scoff at like the people at the bottom, which I've noticed that other people at least from the edit, of course, are not really doing like, you don't see Jonathan being like a jerk about how he's like so great and everyone, you know, at the bottom are like, you know, come down bros. So I don't know, it's just interesting. And I wonder if it's kind of the editor's way of of showing us like who is being like, like, it's hard to be likable at the top, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, ultimately when there's going to be three uh finalists and people are going to vote for the winner they're going to choose the person that they like the most you know and whether that's the person who played like the savviest game who's to say you know if you like really think that someone is a jerk even if he's theoretically like some objective measure had like more moves or whatever that means like i don't know that um i would vote for him or the tragedy of russell Hans. <laughs> that game is flawed. <laughs>
0: um yes, yeah, so I I think that that I think that's a really good point and I I typically really like high as well. Uh the edit was not kind to him in this episode. It definitely showed him getting up on that high horse. Um but basically he tries to switch the vote at this point. Uh Mike talks sense back into everyone. He hits the brakes by convincing everyone they'll lose Roxroy if they change to Romeo. I was curious to know: Did anybody feel strongly that it should have been Romeo? Should they have targeted Romeo instead of Chanel here? I I feel like Chanel. The fact that she played it so chill, as we, uh, I think this got mentioned earlier. Chanel in this episode did not scramble, uh, laid back, and basically hung out at the fire, which is what prompted Romeo to get so nervous. So, any thoughts on on whether they made the wrong call here?
2: I feel like I was surprised at that because. Yeah, usually if someone is causing trouble, you want to eliminate them. And if someone is laying low, you're like, great. They don't seem like a threat. In fact- So you agree I
0: with high then?
2: I think so. Like <laughs> I feel After
0: like... just saying that you thought you didn't understand where he was coming from. Well, now <laughs> no,
2: I said that I was unhappy with the way he like displayed or exhibited his power. Right. I'm not okay. saying that his strategy was wrong. I will just say that I feel like, Um, Chanel I can't fault her actually in this particular episode she was doing exactly what I think she should have been doing you know a lot of the game which you know has kind of I think that's is what caused her to game like she garnered a lot of like bad will from kind of being sneaky and running around and doing this and that and so I think this was like maybe a little bit like too little too late it was definitely worth a shot and I think she that was the correct call for her, although, I don't know, I guess in retrospect, obviously, like, you should do everything in your power to to change the, you know, to, to change the vote. But I guess she felt, like, pretty safe. And I would have thought that she would be safe, too.
0: I think there's something, too, to having an easy vote. Like, it's like, okay, Chanel hasn't been scrambling. That means, like, maybe we just take it. Elon, what do you, what are your thoughts on where they went? I almost wonder
3: if like, you know, we're talking about should they have voted out Chanel or Romeo, but I wonder if every, you know, again, like this game's going to dwindle down fast. I wonder if at some point we'll be like looking back on the season being like, who should they have actually targeted? You know, who's the person that's going to win the game that this was their chance to vote that person out? Like, should they have maybe taken out like, you know, Marianne, she has an idol and an extra vote that a lot of people know about, like... So I think like it just seems like Romeo and Chanel in this episode were like the losers that no one wants to work with and they're they're not you know a factor at the moment like maybe now Romeo will be able to You know, it also depends, like, what people think about Romeo, right? Like, we see from High's perspective that Romeo was, like, dust under his shoe. And he's like, how dare this person even, like, try to win? That's so rude of this person. You're clearly an ant compared to the powerhouses like myself. So if everyone else is agreeing with High and thinking of Romeo in this way, then Romeo's, like, not a threat. And so, yeah, might as well just leave him in the game since, like, yeah, he'll talk to people, but no one respects him. But we don't know actually how people feel about Romeo since we didn't really get too many other people's perspectives on him but i always just wonder if it's like better to take out the people who are going to like be a real impetus to you to you winning but maybe it also just like you said Ben like nice to just have this easy vote make it another week and then maybe like everyone's like sort of still setting themselves up for like the big kill and then we'll see which whichever side sort of uses romeo to their advantage when that time comes that you know if it was if it's high then he'll be like it was smart to keep him and if it's against high then he'll be like you should have voted out romeo when you had the chance
2: I will say that like I think that um, Mike was pushing a lot for Chanel like he has this you know harbors this like uh, ill will towards her ever since she voted for him even though he voted for her like I don't really understand Uh, this is like one of the least like kind of logical things that like Mike does this whole game so far like anyway so he has his vendetta against Chanel fine so I really think he was just pushing for her and people are like fine like we're not going to argue like we're still eight strong like who cares let's get rid of Chanel or Romeo like it doesn't really matter um and so it's also interesting how like High seems to you know he's like this big strategist but i feel like so far we don't see him like fighting very much and like establishing kind of his dominance within the alliance like he's not one to call the shots because for example he did let lydia go and it felt like maybe he was more into voting out romeo because of how you know much of an ant you know romeo was made to quote elon um and yet
1: uh chanel ends up going home. So I, I I find that interesting. I feel like that is absolutely on purpose with High. I feel like he is biding his time. He sacrificed Lydia as like a demonstration of you know what a team player he is. I could even like I was even wondering if with the Romeo thing if either if he was somehow you know trying to play up his preference for Romeo just to then compromise later. With the plan that, like, he's going
0: to cash it in at some key points. Yes, I like that. I I think, too, like, with High, it would be a lot easier to think that he was sort of underplaying his hand if we hadn't seen him really masterfully playing uh, a few of the Tribals pre-merge. So I just have faith in High sort of coming through and and the fact that he, uh, not necessarily that he will win, but just that I don't think that he the fact that he hasn't been the um the person calling the shots at the last two tribal necessarily means that he's not not in on the strategy here um we get to tribal next and Tori and Marianne both immediately talk about the in group and how everyone wants to be in i've got a question for you folks who i know follow the follow the history of survivor a little bit better than i do um or a little bit more closely does this in-group thing like the you want to be in it it, does it feel different from previous like majority alliances post-merge because to me it feels like there's like a like a high school social situation like it's a clickiness thing and i don't remember it being so specifically um based in like everyone just trying to like get into it without like strategizing to get in it's like you want to be in there because i i I don't know i'm not really sure that i understand the dynamic here julia
1: the last season I remember where it felt like this clickiness popularity thing was season 30 with the white collar, blue collar, no collar, where Shireen, I feel like, was really excluded because they didn't like the way that she talked to monkeys. Uh,
2: yeah, I.
1: it's interesting. It's
2: almost like this is one of the analogies that someone should have used at Tribal, as opposed to that weird, like, wear a seatbelt if you're you know willing to let someone else drive or whatever but i just felt like there's this ongoing narrative especially like marianne always kind of talking about like not fitting in and then kind of these references to the like quote unquote cool kids um and so on and you know, like the jocks you know the big beefy you know dudes like jonathan presently and like mike previously and then You know, they're like sidekicks, like supposedly, you know, like Omer for Jonathan and so on. So I do feel like there is kind of like this high school atmosphere. I'm also trying to figure out if it's like a younger cast on average at this point. Like they're not that young. I mean, Mike is obviously the oldest one, but I mean, they're all in their 20s and 30s, I think. Mike Um, doesn't
0: even come across as that young. Like he's a youthful guy to be like talking constantly about his like being a senior citizen
2: yeah I think he's kind of leaning into it because he feels like he's definitely a lot like older than everyone else but he's also kind of like in awe with Jonathan which is funny because again it's like yeah there's like a lot of admiration of like oh look at this like amazing athlete like the best quarterback this city has ever seen
0: (laughs) right (laughs) Yeah, it, that is what it's like, too. It's like they've like written in a character who's way too good at football on the football drama or whatever.
2: Yeah. And coach Jeff is like so obsessed with the <laughs> one quarterback and no one else.
0: Yeah, that's true. I loved Mr. Jeff also when Jonathan called Jeff Mr. Jeff. I didn't remember that happening in a previous episode. Did I miss this or has he been calling him Mr. Jeff for a while?
2: It's been ongoing, actually. Yeah,
0: Okay, that's that's very cute. Um. So then Romeo uh, tries to start some chaos. I thought that was a really weak attempt to start chaos by Romeo at tribal council. He's like, oh, you never know. Like they're going to have to start voting each other out sometime. And then they immediately change the subject. Um, Jeff starts that car analogy that Elon mentioned earlier. And we've sort of talked about throughout. Everyone gets really excited about the car analogy. Any standout comments that you guys noticed here? Anything that stuck with you about the car analogy?
2: aside from how bad it was
0: <laughs> <laughs> i guess so i just have
3: like a like a more meta comment it's like what is the point of tribal council at this point like i just don't even get like Oof. why why is this happening like i <laughs> I just wish that they like they're not even talking about what's happening in this game. You know, they're not talking about the game that they're currently playing. They're like, Survivor is like this, and you need to do this to be successful in Survivor. And like you wanna be and it's like it's like I, hockey I,
0: interviews, like in I know. between the, the, the periods.
3: <laughs> exactly. As though, oh, we're working hard, wanna keep our sticks on the ground. It's in like,
0: deep, yeah.
3: It's like, why can't Jeff be like <laughs> You know, who's bothering you? Marianne, who do you think is the person that the tribe dislikes? You know, like, why can't we just talk about like what's happening and not do all this random, yeah, metaphor?
0: Do we think it's just that this cast is so good at, and, and sorry, Dina, um, but the point I'll just make is maybe this cast is very good at deflecting.
3: I just think Jeff likes it. I just think yeah. Jeff thinks this
0: is good. <laughs>
2: i think jeff is having so much fun in this like post-pandemic survivor iteration like he's talking to the camera he's like coming up with uh who is going to get like the best metaphor during tribal and get a cookie you know it's like he's fawning over the jocks which he's kind of always done but like now it's especially uh noticeable and maybe jonathan is kind of a very special specimen for sure. Like, I don't know that we've had a lot of people that look exactly like Jonathan, but he's just always like Jonathan looking almost like a human and like Jonathan literally carried everyone on his back. It's like, there's the whole commentary of every um, challenge. It seems or reward challenge is just like, what is Jonathan up to now and how amazing he is and Hey, kudos to him. And honestly, like, considering the fact of how much jeff is fought over him it's like i'm actually impressed that jonathan is like not being more like cocky and having like sort of like james vibes maybe or whatever like yeah i'm tough and strong and great but rather just like telling us about his like crazy breakfast of like 18 eggs or whatever so yeah. i appreciate that
0: um yeah i feel like I'm starting to wonder if maybe Jeff is just on that thing where, like, that meme that you see online all the time about how nobody knows how to interact after the the lockdowns. Right. And maybe Jeff is like on his personal Facebook, like sharing that thing where he's like, "I don't, I don't even know. I'm just just out here having a good time and uh, trying to be a person again. I don't know what I'm doing." <laughs>
3: Yeah. I mean, we'll see if it, if it changes. Hopefully the next... Tri- I, I'm really starting to focus in on the, these tribal councils. We should like start keeping track of like for how many minutes it's on the show, like how many seconds of something actually interesting. <laughs> you know, like every once in a while they do that thing where everyone stands up and starts strategizing, which is kind of like its own separate mm-hmm. thing that you can debate if that's like fun or not. But I, I feel like at one point Survivor used to have people just talk about like... I don't know, people like who's doing what things around camp, like, you know, kind of just discussing, like, isn't the point of travel camp? Anyways, I already
0: did this rant, but no, you're I, right. And I actually I think that it's suspiciously like rewatching the episodes to do the show has made me really attuned to it because I'll typically there are points in the episode where it's just like, OK, like I remember what happened. I don't need to sit and listen and hear everything that happened again. And Tribal has become that way in a lot of cases where it's just like none of the things that are said here are interesting or good. And in season 41, at least, they would have like character arcs that would carry out over the episode. And then they would have their like, you know, the come to Jesus moment that was very clear, like, oh, this ca- this person's about to get voted out. But at least there would be like something of a satisfying resolution to the the characters, the the character arc. Julia.
1: I don't know if this wouldn't help in terms of making it interesting to a viewer, but I don't know if y'all listened to the Christian Huwicky interview from Rob has a podcast a couple of weeks ago where he was talking about going into travel council, the the majority has the narratives that they're going to try to paint, and that if you hear people the way if the way that people are answering and evading Jeff's question is different than the narrative that you thought was the fake narrative for tribal council that that can be like a canary in the coal mine, and I thought that sounded fun even though huh. it wouldn't be apparent to the audience.
3: It sounds like a party game. Like it sounds, this would be really fun to just all get together and try to make analogies and try to get people to guess who's not properly using the analogy. I don't know. This sounds kind totally.
2: Of fun. It's like apples to apples, but like narratives of what people think is happening at Tribal via analogies.
3: So, Ben, you've been hosting the Survivor Squad for a few (laughs) weeks now. What would you say hosting the Survivor Squad is like?
0: It's like you're going through a uh, obstacle course with a buoy and you need to push that buoy all the way through all these different little plot windows and you're you're pushing it all the way through and then at the end even though you get there with your whole team you have to shoot those buoys into the right basket but you got to figure out who's the right teammate to get to do all of these pieces who should be in the water throwing the buoys back you know throwing those questions out and who should be sinking the shots and if you don't sink the right shots maybe you should have worn a seatbelt
1: oh
3: and with that, we are done.
0: <laughs> yeah, sure. Then we're
3: out we're of not done
2: until Ben says we're done. We're done. Uh, I was just doing
3: my, I was doing my Jeff impression. It's like once someone oh. said the final mic drop moment. Oh yeah. Cool. Oh yeah. Okay. With that, it's time. It's we're-
2: time to
0: vote. I'm gonna go use my shot in the dark real quick. Um, mm-hmm. That's not a sexual reference. Uh, I didn't think it was. <laughs> we get we get into the votes. Uh, Chanel gets voted out. The only thing that was interesting here about the voting is that Romeo winds up voting for hey, hi. Uh, Romeo votes for hi. Uh, What do we think was going on there? I I I was
1: totally mystified.
0: Yeah, I was confused.
2: I felt like, um, you know, clearly hi was not uh, having a really good poker face probably when he was interacting with Romeo. And then Romeo was like, hi is kind of a jerk. I'm just going to throw a vote his way. Uh, probably also exhibiting his displeasure at how he just like kind of lost all this power. We didn't really mention how, you know, he and Drea were these tight allies, and then suddenly Drea just decides to drop him as come merge, which I didn't really see why or how. And yeah, Drea's really portrayed as this kind of ruthless, not in a bad way, but just like she has no alliances to no one, (laughs) you know, like she just does whatever is in her best interest. And her mom told her like, this is not your family. So I get it. But I also kind of sad about, uh, you know, Romeo's fall from grace, I suppose.
1: Do we think that Romeo is doing like the big brother hinky boat thing where he's trying to sow chaos by having high be like, who voted for me last week and having that blow back on him somehow?
3: I mean, I would love that if that's what it is. I would also love if like Romeo actually thought that High was getting voted out, and he got like totally swindled, and they just like left it out of the show because it was all just like fake stuff. But it's probably just what like you know you know was suggesting. It's probably just her, just like him, just trying to get back at High for being like rude to him. But I like both of those other suggestions better.
0: Yeah, that seems really short-sighted to me. Like, okay, good protest, bro. You're you've cemented yourself as the only one well fully trying to be on the outside
3: i mean to be fair this is a game like everyone's trying to win like like everyone else is gonna have to vote out high if they want to win the game right so it's like why not be the first one to be like yeah you're i did vote for high and maybe other people should also vote for high you know and start to like what does that achieve though well just go to everyone else and be like yeah
1: I was just wondering, I know that High is a self proclaimed super fan. And there was some sort of, I think it was in Chanel's ex interview where she was talking about how High wanted for his own game record to be on the right side of every vote, which is why when they were talking about the vote split with Jenny, he was like, I want to write Jenny's name because I always want to be on the right side of the vote. Is there any sort of super fan thing where you want to never have your name written down? And Romeo was like, I will ruin that for you. Oh my God. Yes. That's savage.
2: And I love it. And I really hope it's
0: true. (laughs) Well, that is all of the notes that I had for this week. Uh, I'll I'm going to go around the circle one more time. The horn starting with Elon, Elon, any stray thoughts, anything that we didn't talk about that you wanted to mention this week?
3: I guess I'll just point out that I think it's just interesting that Roxroy was like totally left out of the episode, aside from, I guess, Mike being like, well, what will we say to Roxroy? And then I was thinking like, oh yeah him i uh, so uh i i will be fun to see if like that was just like a uh, you know season a pretty big like star of the season i'd say like for better or worse like he's been a focal point of a lot of the action in in the season i think in terms of like just the drama and him arguing with people so i'm interested to see if what happens with with roxroy and if he's going to like just become like a disappearing person or if this was just like a week off and the next week he'll be back with
0: a vengeance dina x any outgoing thoughts
2: Uh, I am sad that we don't get to see Lindsay more on our screen. She seems like a good player, like, you know, in the Majority Alliance. I really enjoyed her as part of the Taku 4. And from the edit, it's abundantly clear she's not going to win. But like, I don't know,
1: give me some Lindsay content.
0: She's cute, too. Julia, anything (laughs) as we sign out?
1: I'm just gonna piggyback on Elon's thing. I think it's so funny that Roxroy is such a stalwart old school type player that the idea like we can't upset Roxroy by changing the votes like it's just gonna be too much trouble we that that worked as an argument for Mike. I thought was pretty funny. Mm-hmm.
3: By the way, Dina, yeah. I'm curious to get your thoughts. If Like, you, you're you saying you want to see more Lindsay, right? So what happens if next episode, it's like we're half hour in and it's been like a lot of Lindsay? Will you be happy about it? Or will you be more like just nervous because that is probably something that she's going to get voted out?
2: Well, you know what, we... If you watched a preview, you would have seen her having, like, some, again, one of those, like, nonsensical taku arguments that she's having with Jonathan. So I'm curious to see where it goes. But, yeah, I'm probably going to be nervous, but at least I'm going to appreciate my, you know, Jewish bay, uh on my screen.
0: And with that, we are done like a bad metaphor at Tribal Council. Uh Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you to Julia, Dina, and Elon for hanging out. And uh, we'll see you guys next week for another episode of The Squad.